Beginda Country Kitchen, delicious as always. Um, just one announcement before we get started here with the question period. Um, next week is the annual general meeting of uh, SACPAW, and members are welcome and members are free to eat for lunch. So that's exciting. Um, so then just a reminder, guys, four questions. Uh, we're going to line up at the mic over here. Ask your question, and then please return to your seat. This isn't a debate, so Dr. Duane, is go- Duane, Duane Brad is going to answer your question as fully as he possibly can. But just one question at a time, please. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, thank you so much. I'm Bev Mundell Atherstone. My question uh, relates to the reference that you made to the budget mm-hmm. and how, even though the budget was only tabled and not passed, still some of the things that are in the budget have to go through. Can you um, explain to us why some of those things have to be followed and what are those okay. items? Thank you. Several, several things. One relates to how budgets are prepared. Uh, usually the budget timetable is, is that the finance minister starts to work with bureaucracy sort of late November, early December for a uh, March, late February release of the budget. So he is working with the Department of Finance for about three and a half months um, and getting full access to all of the government documents. The NDP put together an alternative budget in the span of about three days with about four people, uh, as opposed to a lot more than that. And the only documents that they had were what was in the budget, not what all the background documentation is. So to be able to prepare a proper budget, you need time, you need resources, and you you need access to documents, which is why the soonest that they could do it would be this, this fall. So that's one barrier. The second barrier is because... Uh, the Alberta government doesn't collect income taxes. Revenue Canada collects income tax on behalf of the provinces. So there is a cooperation agreement that Revenue Canada has with all of the provinces. The deadline is the 15th of April, so changes to the collection of income tax have to be into Revenue Canada by the 15th of April. Now, that was in the midst of the election. So, what the government of Alberta, because they were still the government of Alberta, the PCs did, was they submitted all the changes that were in their budget because they assumed that they would win the election. They assumed that their budget would pass. So they've already put those processes through to Revenue Canada. So the earliest that changes could be made would be... um, for the 2016 fiscal year. I think those are the two things. So there are aspects of the budget that they were able to cancel. That was the health care levy because that wasn't really, that was a brand new system. So they could, they could remove that. But changes to personal income tax to a more progressive rate and to an increase in corporate taxes is going to have to wait till, till 2016. What they, uh, they will have a interim budget next week that is largely an interim supply measure because before the PCs 
left office, they hadn't passed the budget. What they had passed was a series of spending protocols that allowed the government to spend money which expire on the 1st of July. So if there was no spring session, the government of Alberta would run out of money, would run out of the ability of spending money. So all that is in there is allowing them to spend money, not necessarily collect money. Uh, a couple other things on the budget. Assuming that the numbers that the PC government released were correct, they anticipated a $7 billion shortfall. They were going to fill that with about $1.5 billion worth of tax and fee increases. By the way, all those fee increases that you paid midnight uh, of the budget on gas, on alcohol, on cigarettes, those are not going to be rescinded, I doubt, and you're going to continue to pay those because you've already been paying them for several months and you've probably forgotten about them. Um, so they're, they're going to keep doing that. And about $500, billion, or $500 million in uh, spending cuts and a $5 billion deficit. My expectation is that deficit is probably going to be between 6 and $7 billion when the budget actually comes out in the fall because they've rescinded the health care levy. So that's going to pull money revenue out of the system. They have already uh, rescinded the cuts to health and education and, in fact, put additional money into education. So already they have spent more money than what the budget had, and they'll be collecting less because their corporate tax and personal income taxes won't kick in until 2016. So expect a deficit that was going to be $5 billion, that was going to be paid out of the sustainability fund to be much closer to 6 to $7 billion. The problem with that is the sustainability fund has just a little over $5 billion, so we're going to have to start borrowing for 2015. So that's some of what I mean by the, the budget situation facing the, uh, the new government. Thank you. Let's take another question. Hello, Dr. Bratt. My name is Cheryl Mahedden, and I have a question about the outcome of the provincial election, which I agree with you was somewhat surprising, but I'm wondering if you would care to speculate on... The federal uh, election. Yes. 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 Funny that you should mention that, because I was sitting at our table going, this is one thing that we didn't discuss. Um, usually the busiest days for a commentator on election are the day before the election, the day of the election, and a little bit on post-election uh, day. I was much busier the day after the election than I was the day before. Uh, I don't know if you saw me the day after. Um, pretty much from 7 in the morning on the Tuesday to about 11 o'clock Wednesday night, I had a two-hour nap in that period. So I looked kind of tired. And part of that was the amount of requests I was getting to comment from outside of Alberta. So just two examples. Uh, before I get into answering your question. The one is uh, CBC Radio um, syndication interviews. I, I've done syndication interviews before. And what that means is you do a five- to seven-minute interview on the same topic using the same questions uh, in different markets around the country. And so I've done these on various topics, and you usually get seven markets or eight markets. The day after the election, I did 19 uh, in, in Canada, and um, which was pretty much every CBC station that wasn't Calgary, Edmonton, uh, and interestingly, Toronto. So, uh, but I did Ottawa, to Windsor, to St. John's, to Yellowknife, to wherever, every other. So for, for about three hours, every 
10 minutes, I would answer the same questions, um, which sometimes I tried to tailor it, but a lot of it was what is going to be the impact on the federal election. This was very much a local issue. So just to give you a couple of examples, there is one federal conservative party. There were two conservative parties provincially. That's a big difference. The second is Stephen Harper remains popular in Alberta. Maybe not popular to a per certain individual, but generally popular. Jim Prentice was not. Um, Rachel Notley, very popular in Alberta. I'm not sure how popular Thomas Mulcair uh, was. The fact that Mulcair never came to Alberta and was told not to come to Alberta, I think, is an indication of that. Does that mean that there's no impact? Absolutely not. Because if I was Thomas Mulcair, I would be doing exactly what he's doing. And it's not about Alberta. It is going to Ontario and going to Quebec and to be able to say, if those crazy right-wing wing nuts in Alberta can vote for the NDP, you can too. Uh, maybe he wouldn't use crazy wing nut. I'm uh, being facetious here. But I think that's a stronger, a stronger message. Um, I, 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 I still think the Conservatives are going to win the vast majority of new seats. There will be 34 seats provincially or um, in the federal election in Alberta. I don't think we're going to see 35 out of 36 Conservatives. Uh, but the, lib the Liberals, for example, the federal Liberals are a lot more significant in Alberta than the provincial Liberals are. Uh, I have been saying for a while, I think Kent Hare in Calgary Centre could be the first Calgary MP from the Liberal Party since, the, since Trudeau. I, I mean the older Trudeau. The 68 Trudeau. Um, he has been campaigning nonstop. That's why he stepped down as provincial MLA. His riding represents uh, or Calgary Centre represents his provincial riding. There's been some riding boundary changes that benefit him. Um, so I can see that. I think there's going to be a battle between the NDP and Liberals in, in parts of Edmonton as well, which may benefit the Conservatives. You have Brett Rathberger going to run as an independent. Um, I think that could cause the Conservatives trouble. So I think generally Alberta will remain conservative federally, not to the scale that they have been before, but I don't think we're going to see a parallel to that. Uh, the impact, I think, is still going to be felt because, as I said, Mulcair is going to point to Alberta and other parts of the country. If I am Stephen Harper, I am worried, uh, or should be worried, and I should be worried for other reasons besides the Alberta election, but that's just one more worry wart. Other problems he's got is a, um, a, a, a government that's been in power for nine years, and federally, unlike provincially in some provinces, we tend to defeat governments on a more regular basis. Nine years tends to be about that period. Um, there hasn't been a replenishment. There's been a lot of people close to the leader who have left, whether that's Jim Flaherty, whether that's John Baird, whether that's Stockwell Day, whether that's Jim Prentice, and there hasn't been a whole lot of new, strong blood that have come in Maybe Chris Alexander. I wouldn't put Pierre Polyev in that category. In fact, I think the fact that Polyev is as powerful as he is is a reflection of conservative weakness, not conservative strength. The federal election is going to be very interesting. It really is going to be a three-party three race. So Thank you. That's, that's a bit of awesome. rambling on the federal election. I'm Ever Thomas, and thank you for your presentation. He seems to be very popular after the votes have been counted, yeah. although you don't get elected. But on your democratic renewal with finances, yes, 
I didn't hear much about the polls, and I want to enlighten him a little bit on what I'm after. The question usually determines the answer. So there's a lot of politicians, general public, that watch the polls. I think polls should be banned during the election campaign. <coughs> What's your opinion? Um, you would have to, to do that, you would have to have public polls banned during an election. That would not stop companies and parties who are already polling and polling much more accurately and much more often than the public is. In other words, you would have sort of the elites with the parties following polls, rejigging campaigns based on the polls, um, and, the, and the larger public would be left in the dark. And I think that would be undemocratic to me. Um, we do know whether polls are right or whether they're wrong. And they were correct in 2015. They were incorrect in 2012. We do know polls have an impact on the election. Uh, it is quite possible. And, and there's been a lot of analysis done of the 1990 election in um, Ontario. And one of the interesting things about that, and it was about how the NDP formed a majority government in largely a summer campaign, it was early September election, is there were internal polls, there was no public poll that was released during the 1990 campaign that showed the NDP on the verge of government. And the belief that strategists had of the NDP at the time was if those came out, that would prevent an NDP majority government. And so they did not publicly put that out there. So I think there is great value to public polls, even if they're wrong, even if they uh, sway opinion, because other groups are already doing polls. And I don't know how you could ban the use of that. I just wish people would be more critical in how they assess polls, uh, assess the methodology of how they're being used versus demon dials versus live person polls. Um, I know I, I don't know if pollsters were celebrating after the Alberta election or giving a sigh of relief. Uh, I think they, they learned from what went wrong in 2012. And having the Tuesday election mattered. Normally elections are on a Monday. By having an election on a Tuesday meant that there was polls being done over the weekend. And so that people switching sides um, could have been spotted and it wasn't being indicated. So the pollsters were, were pretty dead on in, in 2015. Thank you. Next question, please. Uh, Art Sanford's the name, Duane, and uh, congratulations on a very good speech. And uh, I read your writings, too, and sometimes I agree with you. <laughs> well, read another one and then you'll disagree. Just, just a quick comment before a question. My feelers I'm hearing is that in Saskatchewan, they're going to reduce the corporate tax, not put yeah. it up. So that's something we want to think about because it is a very competitive business, and I ran my own business for years. The question that I have... Would, and actually on that comment, that would not surprise me. Uh, Bill Boyd is the Saskatchewan Energy Minister. He was at the Petroleum Conference in Calgary uh, talking about what a great place to invest in in Saskatchewan. Uh, what was interesting um, were the amount of people talking about they, they need to flee Alberta to go to the conservative utopia of Saskatchewan. Uh, <laughs> is Brad Wall is the most popular conservative leader in this, in this country, and yet if you were to compare Saskatchewan and, and uh, Alberta, he, he hasn't, for example, privatized 
many of the crowns, mm-hmm. right? They still have uh, nationalized liquor stores. They still have nationalized electricity. They still have nationalized power. He is interested about raising potash royalties while, while he's talking to Alberta oil people about coming in to invest there. So there's a lot of uh, rivalry going on that goes beyond football. My, my real question to you, though, is in government, and I don't care whether it's municipal, provincial, federal, the number one job is service to your people, Yep. looking after your people. Now, if we are to believe what we have been told in Alberta under the PC party, we were spending $10,000 per person, which is much higher than any other province. They, I think the average in most of the other problems is around 8,000. So now we have a new government that has come in with a lot of promises of new service to people. Can they do it, and how are they going to afford it? Uh, those are very good and important questions. As I said, A, the expect, uh, there are some questions about the numbers, and one of the arguments that is raised about why teachers make more, why nurses make more in Alberta, is because wages in Alberta in general are higher than the rest of the province. So there's a lot of ideological fight over public sector wages. But on the issue, and you're right, the NDP does want to um, put more money into particularly education and, and health. Where are they going to get that money? They have talked about a corporate tax increase. They have talked about a progressive income tax uh, they have talked about royalties. I think that's their plan. That's where they think they're going to find the money. I personally am skeptical that there's going to be enough money there because there's an assumption that if taxes go up, that revenue goes up. That's not necessarily the case. There's ways of moving money around. So as tax rates go up, revenue collection doesn't go up. And especially on health, you could double the size of the health care budget uh, and people are still going to die, and you're still going to have issues. And it's a tough topic. I really believe our health care budget is a black hole that we pump money into, and I'm not sure more money is the answer. But they're not talking about reorganizing. Uh, in fact, they've, they've stayed completely away from any reorganizing of AHS. And you can talk about, as, as Wild Rose Party does, about things like severance packages and too many vice presidents. And that's all true. That's minuscule amounts of money. You're, you're saving millions, not billions. And so that is a challenge. Uh, it's easy to campaign on that. It's much tougher to, to, to govern on that. And so Roy Romano... I think was a classic centrist NDP who was able to balance the budget in an NDP province uh, in a much dire fiscal situation. Um, And one of the ways he did it was closing rural hospitals. And uh, does not, cannot get that type of political courage. I'm not saying she should be shutting down rural hospitals here, but he went against his ideology for a pragmatic he says it's it's not right, it's not left, it's arithmetic, and um, we'll see if Notley is able to do that. So I I, I wonder too. It's not an answer, but uh, Trevor Page, um, with the government facing an even higher deficit than the seven billion that the PCs faced. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you could speculate on whether the government will follow through on unveiling an urban drilling policy. It's something that's dear to our heart down here in Lethbridge. We've had an example of the people and the city standing up. 
But another company has just secured a lease, which could have, if they follow through, a serious effect on our water supply. So do you think the NDs will actually <coughs> unveil a drilling policy, and what do you think it will be? A couple, couple things on that. First is I am aware of how significant the urban drilling issue is in Lethbridge, and not just today. Um, between parking my car and getting into this room, uh, that's about the fourth time I've been asked that, that issue. So I realize how near and dear that is. I think that um, I think there's a couple things that you can, if you're concerned about that, you should take comfort in. One is the NDP has talked about coming in with an urban drilling, not a Lethbridge policy, but an urban drilling policy, because there's been issues in, in Calgary as well. The second is, um, is Shannon Phillips. Uh, Shannon Phillips is the environment minister. Shannon Phillips is from Lethbridge. Her campaign against urban drilling, I think, contributed to her victory. Uh, that would be a, a major reversal of policy. I think there are other ways of raising revenue. Um, I, I think the NDP believes that there are other ways of raising revenue. I can't see a reversal on that. Uh, I think, in fact, you may see a strengthening of those sorts of, of regulations. Uh, that would be my speculation at this moment um, based, on, based on the current government. Excellent. Next question, please. Hi, Bridget Pasteur. It'll be a quick question um, that probably is a yes and no. I'm not sure that you do yes and no's. <laughs> uh, and it will be an opinion. <coughs> Excuse me. It will be an opinion. Um, will the NDP budget come down before the federal election? <sighs> I'm just trying to do the calendar in my head. And my understanding is that the federal election is late October. This and oh, that's going to be 19. tougher because that <laughs> I expect 19. the budget to come down sort of mid October. So that could be very complicated. But if I had to go yes or no, I will say yes. You will see a provincial budget before federal election, but it's going to be very close to that. Let's take another question. I have a toonie oh. <laughs> that says, okay, there we go. It's Write on. that down. Thanks, Dwayne. My name's Mary Shillington. I always appreciate hearing you on the radio on CBC. We're CBC listeners. Uh, point of uh, correction, Thomas Mulcair was in Alberta during the by-election. During the by-election, yeah. Yes. I, I yeah. was referring to the, the general right. election. Okay. Yes, because so is Justin Trudeau was here yeah. during a lot of the by-election. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he didn't come here, but uh, anyway, he was in Foothills, uh, or Livingston, uh, McLeod Livingston. Uh, this, my question fits after Bridget's because, there, of course, there's speculation that uh, Harper will call an earlier election, and, and so somebody might lose their duty uh, here. Uh, what do you think? Do you think he'll, he'll go yeah. earlier? Okay. Not if he has a conversation with Jim Prentice, uh, but but no, but but more more seriously, because because I actually I do have problems with fixed election dates legislation. Uh, if he was going to call an earlier election, calling it in September instead of October, you know, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, if you're going to call it, you call it earlier, and you call it when you're riding high in the polls, opposition is weakened, or you figure you've got a big ballot question. If I'm looking at the numbers 
that uh, Harper is, there might be a better chance of delay in the election, you know, that, than going to it. Um, so uh, that that I feel pretty confident on. I, I don't think we'll be seeing an early an early election. And here's the other thing. This is one of the reasons I don't like fixed election dates. Is one of the justifications for them is it would end speculation about when an election would be held. Uh, that hasn't happened at all. Okay. My name is Frank Toth, uh, Doctor Bratt. I. Uh I bit my tongue several times to get up here because I normally make an ass of myself. But I, uh, I want to prophesy that you are wrong on the federal election coming up. Okay. I prophesy that Mr. Harper will resign before it gets to that point, number one. Okay. okay. I have been just about 95% correct. Now, I have a, a mean streak in me. I have been the crusader for the theft of possibly $300 billion of our royalties. I've asked everybody. I've asked three political scientists from Lethbridge. I've asked the treasurer, and I've asked you Mm -hmm. what our royalties were. I think you folks have aided and abetted the theft of all this money of my children, your children, and the ground all three of the years. Uh, why most of the two of the guys said we don't take that's not our studies as royalties but you know all the facts and figures why haven't you been honest with Albertans at least tell them their bankroll has been robbed and robbed and robbed today simple question Uh, I, I believe in my talk, I said I don't even know what the effective royalty rate is in this province. Uh, in the last, okay, you do, uh, but in the last royalty review, um, Hunter, who was, the, who was the chairperson, said not only uh, are we, is the rate too low, we're not collecting enough, uh, so that has been out there. It's not an area that I have crunched the numbers on, and so... Uh, whether that means I'm aiding and abetting the theft of $300 billion, I, I can't. No, I haven't. Uh, but I do say we have a very complicated royalty review framework, and we do need to have a better understanding of it. Because to, to quote Peter Lougheed, who apparently all parties love, um, uh, we have to act like owners. Uh, of the resource. And, and I do, just on, on a sidebar on that, on, on the praising of Lougheed, which includes Rachel Notley, uh, there is a certain irony there because the biggest thorn in Peter Lougheed's uh, side was Grant Notley during that time period, and yet Rachel Notley praises Peter Lougheed. So uh, there you go. So this will be our last question. Dr. Bratt, thank you for coming here today. My name is Rosemary Nyberg, and I was the elections clerk for Elections Alberta for Lethbridge West in this recent election. So it was an excellent experience, and I was just surprised by the voter turnout. I believe it was 11,980 or something like that. And I was just wondering, what do you think caused such a large voter turnout during this election? Well, I... (laughs) The overall number was still below 60%. I mean, it was higher than I thought it would be. Uh, as I said, uh, I did a series of, of mea culpas, and based on what I saw at the time, which was not just that it was going to be um, a reduced majority, but still a majority government for the PCs, I thought voter turnout would be very low. Um, given the experience, for example, that we saw in 2008 
uh, in the Stelmach election, where it was 40%. Um, so I was pleased to see 58% voter turnout, but at the same time, it was 58%. And uh, I don't think we can we can we can celebrate on that. Uh, I, I do think we have a problem with voter turnout. I'm not sure what the answer is. There remains a debate about moving to more compulsory voting. I've always been opposed to compulsory voting because I believe that a decision not to vote is just as democratic as a decision to vote for someone. But when the numbers start to get lower um, and you start to see parties, not at a provincial level because I don't think they've got the, the expertise, but at the federal level where they have these databases, they're more concerned about getting their core supporters out to vote than they are to get everybody out to vote. That does start to concern me. So uh, on the one hand, I'm glad it was much higher than I thought feared it would be. On the other, let's not celebrate below 60. Uh, I think we can, we can do a lot better. Um, I'm not sure what the answer is. Maybe it is time to do an Australia or a New Zealand and move to a compulsory system. I'm not convinced yet. I'm still wavering, but I'm getting closer to that angle. So to wrap it all up, did you want to leave us what you think is the most important thing for us to take home? Uh, yeah, I'd like to. Yeah, it's a question uh, regarding one of the comments uh, Dr. Brett just yep. made earlier. Regarding this is not a quote unquote, not a left game, not a right game, but a number game. Yeah. So I would like to relate that with the fracking issue we're all concerning about. So think about this number we're talking about. If the company make money, fine. Somebody get employer, uh, get, get a job from them, fine. We are adding to the GDP, right? But at the same time, our medical bill, also adding to the GDP. We get, that means we get sick. Our economy could not recognize it. The question is, what do you think of this number game? Now we're talking about a sports game, but the basic rule of it, which is this number game, seems to be impartial to both the damage or the benefit to the society. Do you think it's a good time to change that number game there, so we can calculate? Uh, you, well, the you're talking game. specifically about one number, and that's a gross domestic product number. Exactly. And there's an internal debate much. amongst economists yes. on what are better numbers. For my matter, I mean GDP. We use it because it's easier to count. Um, whether that's important, but I think there's bigger numbers, and I think bigger numbers include things like unemployment rate. I think per capita income. I think there, there's lots of different numbers. We don't need to rely solely on a GDP rate, um, and that is a, a large discussion about economists. But I think the reason it's used is because it's been widely recognized and it's easy to count. As far as the, the takeaway, I think uh, whether you voted for the NDP, whether you voted for the PCs, whether you voted for somebody else, I think um, go, one party government for 44 years isn't good. And uh, I think hopefully Alberta moves into a more mature political system where we do see regular rotations of governments, regardless of the ideological streak. And so I'll get off my soapbox now and thank you all for, for coming.